Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's time to play the game. It may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local, and not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you in the Kia Studios on this Wednesday evening. With you for the full four. Asking to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much. Want you to put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take the smartphone. Take the tablet. Take the Alexa speakers. Take the Texas Instruments calculator. Your Palm Pilot. Your Commodore 64. Whatever your device is, just download it on something to be able to catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 19 on the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be part of the show, follow us on our personal Twitter pages. You can hit me at JMCH316. That, of course, your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there. The man who never produces is back. Dylan's back with us at underscore Dylan Matthews. Dylan. Now, full disclosure, I did see and hang out with Dylan last night. We were at that Hawks event at Establishment. It was a great time. Right. And so you came down. Yep. Did you know that we had a show that night? Of course I did. I know when all your shows are. Were you working? Not the show. Oh, okay. All right. I was working the the Hawks mixer floor. Okay. I was Uh, mingling and, you know, mixing and all that good stuff. When I saw you, the thing was I was confused because I was like, I don't think Atlanta United plays tonight. Nope. And, and and I thought, well, wait a second. I think he's already recorded a podcast. I did. So I, I wondered what you were there for because I was like, surely he's not working. I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's silly me thinking that my producer would, would be, <laughs> he'd be here working. I mean, anyway. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, lots to get into here with you uh, this evening. Uh, first, let's say, Prayers and well wishes to everybody out in Florida. Um, obviously, the hurricane just thrusting into the coastline of Florida. My folks actually have a place in Fort Myers, and it was pretty wild looking at some of the video and stuff like that because one of the videos they showed was right there on Fort Myers Beach, and they had set up some cameras that were standing six foot high, and the water, you know, in these areas was all the way up to the top of the cameras. And um, if you're not familiar with Fort Myers, but the the road that kind of runs kind of parallel with the beach is called Astero Boulevard, and that's where Fort Myers beaches are. And I've been down there, you know, a whole bunch of times um, over this last decade because my folks have a place down there, and we go down there, you know, once or twice a year. And um, in fact, I'm planning on going down there uh, between Christmas and New Year's, and uh, uh, just crazy when you see the footage and everything like that. So hopefully everybody is safe and folks got a chance to evacuate and get out of there. It sounds like here that we're going to get less and less likelihood of any real kind of major weather rolling in because the original thought was that um, 
Friday would be the the washout kind of day, and then things would lighten up towards Saturday. Now it looks like Friday might be pretty good, which is good because I plan to go to the North Georgia Fair on Friday night. But uh, um, but it sounds like maybe some rain on Saturday. But things are kind of like lightening up, and depending on which direction the thing hits when it goes over land and this and the other, what's going to happen. So hopefully Braves and Mets won't have a whole lot of drama going on over the weekend. Now, I did see this tweet from the Mets beat writer for the New York Post, guy by the name of Mike Puma. And he said uh, a couple hours ago, this is what he tweeted, quote, Mets were willing to move today's game to 4 o'clock and then play tomorrow night in Atlanta ahead of the weather. But the Braves declined. Now, again, I understand that you only get 240 characters and things like that. But here's the deal, okay? This, this is why the Braves said no. This, the Braves are playing for their 13th straight day tonight, okay? And they, the Braves will have an off day tomorrow after they've played 13 straight. The Mets are, are scheduled for a day off tomorrow. That's the third day off that they've had in the past week. So, yeah, the Mets have had days off and had a chance to rest while the Braves have been playing consecutively. If I'm the Braves, screw the Mets. Screw them. I hope I hope they can't get down here and their plane runs out of gas and they have to not show F up in Atlanta. Mets. Yeah. F the Mets. Step, Step right up and F the Mets. I, I hate them. I, I hate the Mets. I really do. I've really gotten to where I hate the Mets. Screw Howard Johnson. Screw Doc Gooden. Screw Randy Hunley. I hate them all. Screw uh, Craig Swan. F uh, Rusty Staub. The hell with Frank Tavares. I hate the Mets. Yeah. Screw them. We ain't giving up our day off so they come in here and play after they've had multiple days off. So they ain't doing anybody any favors. They're looking for an advantage. They got to come down here and look. They've got the advantage because even though the division is tied, they have the tiebreaker, right? Now, the crazy part is is that the Braves and Mets are just going to literally flip-flop with one another because once they get this series done, so the Mets are finishing up with the Scuzzbucket Marlins. The Braves are finishing up with the Fleabag, Dirtbag, Lowlife Nationals. And when the Braves and Mets get done playing one another, they're just going to swap teams. The Mets will finish up with the Scuzz Bucket Nationals. The Braves will take on the Pond Scum Marlins, and that'll end the season. So as the Braves are underway, your lineup tonight, Ronnie Dansby Harris. So Michael Harris has been all over the lineup here of late. Now he's sitting in the three-hole tonight. I like that spot for Harris. And depending on what happens with Dansby, okay, if they don't sign Dansby, then I think it's Ronnie and Harris as your one-two next year. I think that's what you look at. If they sign Dansby, I don't have much of a problem keeping Harris in the three-hole, although I think the manager would prefer to go Ronnie, Dansby, Riley, Olsen. And then maybe Darno Contreras, whoever's catching that night, and then Harris to try to mix up a little bit of the lefty-righty type thing because that's what the manager likes. But Ronnie Dansby-Harris, your first three. Riley Olsen, Darno behind the dish uh, tonight. And then Rosario Arcia and Grossman, who
who's dh in uh, tonight. Rosario in left and Ronnie, of course, uh, in right field. And the ever-present Jake Odorizzi. The last time Jake Odorizzi pitched, the only thing that bothered me about that start was they should have pitched him until his arm fell off like a bloody stump. What did he give up? Eight runs? I think it was eight runs or nine runs in his last start. They should have left him in to try to set the major league record from most runs given up in a start. They should have made him pitch until his hand was covered in blisters, until his arm was a bloody stump, until he literally couldn't lift his arm above his head. And then I'd have made him walk back to his house or hotel or wherever they, I'm trying to remember where they were. Because I think they were on the road, weren't they? Yeah, Philly, that's right. Yeah, I'd have made him walk back to the hotel from the stadium. Because he was awful. He's been awful. There's no way to sugarcoat what he's been. I told Reggie Chapman from 11 Live on Sunday night, there's a better chance Reggie will make a playoff start than Jake Odorizzi. Think about how many guys would have to get hurt for Jake Odorizzi to make a playoff start, right? Because not just Freed, you know, Wright or Strider or Morton or whatever. It'd have to be Muller, Elder, everybody would have to be hurt. Hell, they'd probably bring Ian Anderson up with a with a bum arm or oblique or whatever before they'd bring up Odorizzi to have to pitch a playoff start. They'd, they'd force Mike Soroka to have his third ACL or whatever before they'd have Jake Odorizzi pitch. They'd see if Russ Ortiz has a couple of innings in him before they'd bring back Oda Rizzi. So Might make it, a pit stop at uh, Murphs and see if Dale Murphy got yeah, anything left I, too. I don't. I don't care who. I, I mean, it. Rick Camp. I don't care. Find whoever you need to. Just not Jake Oda Rizzi. So look, here's the thing: the Nationals are one of the disgraces of Major League Baseball. So you know, again, he might pitch decent enough. I don't need him to pitch Sandy Koufax esque tonight. Just pitch decent enough. Keep this team in the ball game. You know, when he pitched last time, they were so far out of it after a few innings that it was just, you know, ridiculous. So just keep it close enough. Let the Braves off. The Braves offense is working now. Right? They're mashing it. This this pitch, this guy starting tonight, Gray, he came in with like a five and a half ERA. So he's a disgrace, you know, to everything. So they can't pitch, they can't hit. Just keep it somewhat close and sweep them out. And we'll see what happens with the Mets and the Marlins. We'll talk about what happened in that game last night a little bit later on What's Bug and Chuckery because that was ridiculous. As much as I hate the Mets and I say F, we say F the Mets around here, we sing the song. We got the song, Handy? Play the, play the song for us if you would, Island. F the Mets, F the Mets, step, step right up and F the Mets. So that was ridiculous what happened, though, that guy last night in that game for the Marlins. They have three balks called against them. So, all right, uh, tonight, Falcons, as they get ready for the Browns, uh, we'll update where Miles Garrett is and is not. Tori McElhaney, our friend of the show, she will join us coming up at 740 this evening as, uh, of course, it's our weekly Wednesday conversation with uh, Tori. She, of course, is a digital reporter for AtlantaFalcons.com. So we'll uh, look back a little bit and, uh, and get ready for the Browns. This is a very intriguing matchup. Very intriguing. I haven't seen the Vegas line in this game, by the way, either. I haven't seen what the odds are, what the line is uh, in this game, what the spread is in this game. But very intriguing matchup uh, here. 
Um, obviously, a couple of offenses that can get some things cooking and get it going. Both teams are really, you know, lots of skill position people. They both run the football really well. Two offensive lines that are playing well. If, you, if you're not familiar with the Browns' offensive line, I don't know that there are two better offensive lines in the NFL. I would tell you that the Browns are one of the one, two, three best off of li- offensive lines in all of football. Teller and Batonio and those guys, they are tremendous. Jack Conklin, who actually played for Arthur Smith. I think Conklin was there when Arthur Smith was there in Tennessee. Their offensive line is outstanding. So we'll talk to Tori coming up at uh, 740. We'll uh, talk with our buddy Bill Bender, National College Football Writer for the Sporting News, coming up at 820 this evening as uh, Georgia. This is a bad week to be Missouri. It's a bad week if you're a Missouri football player because Georgia's going to come out this week after, you know, the hiccup. And I love how, oh, Georgia, you know, it was a close game. Okay, they, they committed three turnovers and won by three touchdowns. How many programs in America can do that? Turn the ball over three times, and you still win by three touchdowns. They still kicked the crap out of Kent State. But that was everything Kirby wanted. They had to play late. They didn't play as well. They made turnovers. I promise you it's been a hell of a week in Athens, I'm sure, practicing. It's a bad week to be a Missouri football player because they, they, the fact that they lost that game in Auburn, Missouri last week, that was a disgrace. And, and now they get a chance. Here's your reward. You almost beat a bad Auburn team. Now you get to go to Athens to get your brains beaten, and they're going to get their brains beaten this Saturday. So we'll talk to Bill Bender coming up at 8.20. 9 o'clock, we'll talk to our buddy Dave Cohen. He, of course, the play-by-play voice for Georgia State. Um, whew, rough start for Georgia State thus far. They need to find a way to get a win against Army because their schedule doesn't get very easy either. They got App State coming up here soon. They got some tough games still coming up. Not been very good so far at, uh, at Georgia State, so we'll talk to the voice of the uh, Panthers, uh, Dave Cohen, coming up at uh, 9 o'clock. When we get back, though, just a reminder, Grady is still the man. We'll talk about that next. John Chuckery in the Kia Studios, Sports Right Now to the Game, Odyssey.com app. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back with you, the John Chuckery Show, live in the Kia Studios, Wednesday night with you. 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media, find us at 92 on the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And, of course, hit me up at JMSH316. He's at underscore Dylan Matthews. We will talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney, coming up here in uh, about 20 minutes from right now. Of course, we uh, talk to her every Wednesday throughout the season as uh, we get ready for Falcons and Browns as – Falcons come back home one and two after the victory in Seattle. Now, one guy, we've talked about a few different guys. We gave some love to Chris Lindstrom last night, right? Obviously, Cordell Patterson, we'll talk more about him coming up at the uh, top of the hour in the Falcons flyover because he won an award. But one guy who's also back and back to playing at top-tier status is Grady Jarrett. Now, you know, spent some time over the offseason wondering what they were going to do with Grady Jarrett. Would they sign him to extension? Do you let him play out his free agent year? Would they re-sign him? Would they let him walk? What would what all would happen there? Well, 
we got our answer, and they signed Grady to a nice long-term deal. So we knew going into the season, we got Grady locked up, ready to go. We don't have to worry about, you know, whether he's going to walk or, you know, when do we sign him or this, that, and the other. And Grady has responded. And if you look, now, listen, I understand that it's early, okay? So I don't need your text. I don't need your tweet. I don't need your Insta face or your your Tic Tacs or whatever. I understand we're only three games in. But this is what we do in Sports Talk Radio, right? So here's the pace that Grady is on this year through three games, okay? He's on pace for 62 tackles. That would be the second best total of his career where his best year ever was 2019. He had 69 tackles that year. He's on pace for 62 this year. He's on pace for 23 tackles for loss. That would almost double his best number ever, which was 15 in 2017. And he's on pace for 14 sacks which would just about double his best number ever in 2019. 2019 was the big season for Grady where he had two forced fumbles. He had seven and a half sacks, 69 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, and 16 quarterback hits. He was a pro bowler and a second team all pro that year. Grady's still the dude. He's on pace to have maybe his best season ever. Now, let's go through this. Okay, one of the things that you love to see is the tackle for loss number from an interior defensive lineman, right? Because that means blowing up running plays in the backfield, blowing up plays in general to where, and by the way, Oda Rizzi's already given up a run here in this game. He's already down one nothing. We're in the first inning, right? Bottom of the first, and uh, they're already down one nothing because Can we leave him here? Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, I would make him – that catch a Greyhound bus back. Honestly. Like I I I would I would not on his own dime too. Yeah. We ain't paying for right. it. Right. I would make him use his per diem money to catch a Greyhound bus. Like I would tell him that there's no flights left and and I would sh- I would make him buy a Greyhound bus ticket or an Amtrak and come back to Atlanta. Because they run Amtrak runs from DC down to Atlanta. I'd make him ride an Amtrak train back to Atlanta. Because that would put him here about Friday. So anyway, um, the 62 tackles, as we said, would be his his second best ever. 23 tackles for loss. Look, that's what you want from an interior defensive lineman. Blowing plays up in the backfield. Run plays, pass plays, what have you. Now, obviously, the sacks. Look, nobody, and so we're clear, nobody ever, ever, ever has been will be, can be Aaron Donald. There's nobody that does that with 20 sacks on the interior of your line. But if you want to find something that is as rare as a pterodactyl flying down the street or a dodo bird or whatever other, you know, extinct animal is on the planet, you know, or used to be on the planet that's now extinct, double-digit sack interior defensive lineman. That's worth more than the gold bullion at Fort Knox and rarer than Tyrannosaurus Rex running down the street. You have a guy that can create double-digit sacks on the interior of your defensive line. You've got one of the special, unique players 
in the NFL. You know, that's reserved not just for that. I mean, a couple years ago we talked about um, Armstead, the kid uh, the kid out of the 49ers did that, right? I think it was a couple years ago. Oh, I can't remember now the kid for the Chiefs that I think did it as well. But those things are rare and hard to find in the NFL. Interior defensive linemen who create double-digit sacks. And isn't it amazing as well that – Remember when we would joke at times last year, well, you know, if you just put anybody in instead of player X, Y, and Z, you'd get a better result. Can I tell you we're seeing that everywhere for the Falcons? Whether it's left guard, doesn't matter if it's Elijah Wilkinson or Colby Gossett. Defensive uh, outside edge guys. If it's not Dante Fowler and Steven Means... You put anybody in that can do something, and it makes all of your guys better. And it's not been Marlon Davidson or Tyler Davison or any of these. This whole group of these vagabonds that this team had last year, and that's what they were. The goats, the Mayfields, the the Fowlers, the Means, the Fabian Moreaus, who we're going to talk about later on in, in the NFL uh, uh, NFL uh, squib kick. Deron Harmon, Eric Harris, who's still on the team, but thankfully is now not playing any defensive snaps. Thank the dear Lord above. Thank you, Jesus, above. All those vagabonds that if you put anybody in there, anybody, you'll get better results, and that's what the Falcons are getting. And because of the better play from the Taquan Grams and the Ebicades and the Ogundaje and uh, Lorenzo Carter and Rashawn Evans and Troy Anderson and Michael Walker. It's allowed Grady Jarrett to get off and do what Grady does, and that's be a dominant force in the middle of the defensive line. Remember we talked about last year the Lions game. Remember the Detroit Lions game? Remember that he was mic'd up and we got video of it where Grady was talking about he was getting triple teamed in that game. Triple teamed. And he was like, man, how many guys are going to throw at me? Well, you know why Grady gets triple teamed? Because he's got Dante Fowler, Stephen Means, Tyler Davison, and all those vagabonds around him. When you get rid of all the mooks and you allow Grady to go do what he needs to do, you can see he can still perform and he can still put up big numbers. Grady in the last two years combined has only had five sacks. He's got two and a half already this year in three games. He's got half the number for the last 33 games worth. In 33 games, he's already got half that number in three and the tackles for loss, and blowing up plays, and doing wreaking havoc, and this, that, and the other. Now, look, Grady's still going to draw double teams and things like that. But the more that these guys around him, if Taquan Graham can continue to grow, obviously, Ebba Cady, Lorenzo Carter, you know, if you can get help from these different guys along. Look, Abdullah's, I thought, played well for them. 
He's been a nice find. You know, he's been kind of a diamond in the rough, right? And that's why, listen, next week when we sit here, Falcons will have had to have made some very interesting decisions because Isaiah Oliver is eligible to come off. Deion Jones is eligible next week. Marlon Davidson is eligible next week. Um, Marlon Davidson, uh, no, who am I missing? Marlon Davidson, uh, Deion, oh, Jalen Mayfield's available next week. All of these guys are available to come off of IR next week. Now, that doesn't mean they will. And that's where this decision-making <clears throat> next week when we sit here, when we're sitting here talking to Tori at this time, you know, getting ready to talk to Tori at this time next week, it will be fascinating to see who's been brought up, who's been activated, who's practicing, who's not practicing, because IR is different now. Used to be the short-term IR was three games, now it's four games. And now with short-term IR, if you bring a guy back off of IR and he practices, within the next four weeks, he has to be on your 53-man or he's done for the year. So they've changed it around for this year. Now, you don't have to bring a guy off of IR. He can stay off of IR. But once he's eligible, if you bring him back and he practices at all, then you have to put him on the 53-man within four weeks, or he is done for the season at that point. And we'll talk more about this first part next week because I think that there's, I think that given the way some guys are playing, there are some definite signs about what's going to happen. But in case you've forgotten, Grady is still the man. And he's off to a terrific start. His pro football focus grade, by the way, right now is, is a 77. So that's obviously a, a very good grade. Um, he has the second most sacks for an interior defensive lineman right now. I haven't looked who's number one. I don't know if that's Aaron Donald or not, but he has the second most sacks. So he's getting things done. And he's playing like the guy that we've been talking about and couldn't wait to see, right? Wanted to see if he could bounce back. We've been wondering about Deion Jones. Well, Grady got the contract extension, and he's going to be here. And now you see why. And I'm, listen, I'm the first to say, I was wondering and I was really hoping that the Falcons were not going to move on from Grady Jarrett. They need Grady Jarrett. He is one of the heart and souls of this defense. He is one of the guys that makes things happen. We always like to joke about the straw that stirs the drink. He's one of the straws that stirs the drink on that defense. He's the veteran. He's been here. He's been the, you know, producer. And now that he's got some guys that aren't just Joe Bag of Donuts, Johnny Come Lately, you know, Five Finger Phil off the streets or whatever, now that he ain't got some of those guys and they can start to build some talent around him and it frees him up to do his thing, you see he can perform. And remember, that sack at the end of the game last week was monstrous. Monstrous. Because what do sacks do? Let's all say it together. They change down in distance. distance. Right? That's the game, man. Change up down in distance. Your playbook on third and three versus third and 18 is totally different. The percent chance of all the successful plays on third and 18 versus third and three has probably got to be pretty staggering. So Grady's off to a great start. I'm excited to see what he can do as his defense, it starts to come together. 
right? These guys all come together. They're creating some turnovers. They're getting some sacks. They're doing what they got to do. And, and they're now helping you win football games. Yeah, I understand. It wasn't perfect and it wasn't pretty on Sunday all the time. But when they needed their defense most to step up, two sacks and an interception. Okay? All right, when we get back, we're going to talk to our friend uh, Tori McElhaney. We'll get uh, ready for Browns and Falcons coming up on Sunday. Sports right now to the game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game back with you on the John Chuckery Show. Hey, the BetQL app uses proven data and analytics to help you make smarter bets. Get started today. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com. That music, of course, means that it is Wednesday, and this is our weekly conversation with our friend of the show as we head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com is joining us. You can check out her work there. And, of course, follow her on our personal Twitter page, at Tori underscore McElhaney. Tori, how uh, upset were you? Uh, Did you see where Taylor Swift, because she's re-recording all of these albums, actually turned down a Super Bowl uh, halftime performance? Yes, I, I'm not going to lie. I was a little distraught. They really had me going with all of the the news that, oh, it's going to be Taylor. Oh, it's going to be Taylor. And then it wasn't Taylor. And I, I was, I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit upset. Um, I'm not mad that it's Rihanna, though. I want to make that clear. Like, I'm still happy it's Rihanna, but like, I re- they really had me going with Taylor. Yeah, I agree. And in fact, I think she's even said that she's going to wait to tour anything to support a new album until she gets these. I think it's three albums that he has. She has left to re-record. So she's she's laser focused on getting those masters back. So uh, which is money, money, money. But anyway, speaking of money, that was the Falcons on Sunday. You know, Tori, um, one thing about this matchup coming up this weekend is These are two offensive lines that are playing really well. I mean, I know we talk about how good they're running the football, but, you know, I said earlier in the show, I don't know if there are two better offensive lines from a personnel or how good the Browns' offensive line is, but we got to give a little bit of love to the Falcons' offensive line as well because I thought Gossett filling in has played well. Chris Lindstrom is having a Pro Bowl season and should make his first Pro Bowl this year. If he keeps up this pace, he's going to be, you know, a Pro Bowler. You know, they get their little hiccups, and Dolman's had some of his hiccups and things like that. But that has been, to me, the big key is just the fact that this offensive line has grown and played so much better this year. Yeah, I think when Arthur Smith talks about the progress that he's seen of not just the offensive line, but, like, the offense as a whole, I think he really is, like, pinpointing that this offensive line has grown and evolved in a way that I don't think many people – thought it was going to. I mean, when we were talking about this offensive line over the course of, you know, before training camp got started, it was one of those things where it was like, you have so many spots open for grabs, and this is really going to be a big competition. Well, the group that they have right now, they went out and competed for the spots that they have, and they're holding on to them. And I think that's really important. I mean, I was talking to CP after the game on Sunday, you know, he had a career day, 141 rushing yards. I mean, that's pretty significant. And he, I mean, he, of course, is like, look, like, I don't get to the second level 
of the defense without this offensive line. And it was one of those things he was like, they were really feeling themselves on Sunday. He was like, it's, it's really interesting when you have a group of offensive linemen being like, hey, run this, run this, because they were really feeling good about how the run game was going. And that's going to be super important on this Sunday against the Browns because these are two teams that want to be physical and want to run the ball. I mean, we already know what the Browns want to do. And the Falcons, I mean, really and truly over the course of the first three games have have run the ball really well. I mean, outside of the L.A. game, which the circumstances had forced them to go away from the run. But if you're talking about the Saints game and then this most recent game against Seattle, they're running the ball as as well as I think as well as we've seen a Falcons team run the ball in a very, very long time. Tori, you know, I don't think it's coincidence that you look at Mariota's attempts per game. They've gone from 33 to 26 to 20 last week. And I think that my personal opinion is that 20 is about the, the right range. I mean, if it you know, gets into 22, 24, but I think 20 is the right, right range. I know part of it is obviously they're running the football very well and you don't need them to throw it as much. But do you think that there is some conscious thought about okay, what's kind of the right number? Because there, there's a famous stat in the NFL about, you know, quarterbacks that throw it 40 times. Even Brady and Matt Ryan and all these guys don't have a very good winning percentage when you have to get up into that number. And I was surprised in week one at the 33 attempts, but it feels like these last couple of weeks where they want him to, him to be attempt-wise is getting more where I think he should be. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that because you're exactly right. I think for a long time, Something that Matt Ryan talked about, and this is something that I've written about numerous times, but one of the always like the go to explanation for why the Falcons lost games in the last couple of years that I've been covering this team was that they became too one dimensional. And that was something that Matt Ryan talked a lot about. It's something that Dan Quinn talked a lot about, Arthur Smith talked a lot about last year. I mean, that was something that was always brought up in kind of the aftermath of losses. Well, with this Falcons team in 2022, I don't think they can use that as an excuse or a reason why they didn't lose, why they lost games, because I think they're as balanced as what we've seen them be in a very long time. And a lot of that is Marcus Mariota, a lot of, and what Arthur Smith can play call because of Marcus Mariota's skill set. And that, and that's nothing against, Matt Ryan, but you are talking about a completely different offensive operation with these two different guys under center. And so for that reason and that reason alone, I think you are seeing the Falcons play more balanced in terms of an offensive operation. And and that's kind of fun to to see this group. I mean, I'll say this, even though even through three games and the Falcons have only one win, I mean, their offense is very dynamic and fun to watch because Arthur Smith is dialing up a lot of different looks, a lot of different pre-snap motions. This is stuff that, you know, you always thought that Arthur Smith would get to. And I'm honestly very pleased and relatively surprised that we are three games into the second year of his, you know, his, his time in Atlanta. And we are already seeing that multiplicity of the offense already. So I feel very confident and very good about where this, Falcons team is offensively based solely on the fact that we are seeing them be very multi-dimensional, which is something that I can't say they've been for a while. Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com joining us on the waitfor.com hotline. It's our weekly conversation that we have with Tori on Wednesdays. 
There is still just one last piece that they have to figure out, and that is getting Kyle Pitts targets in the red zone and especially getting him in the end zone. And, look, we're at one touchdown in 20 games, and I get I get what some people's narratives are. You know, oh, he's blocking, he's doing this or whatever. But the only way that we really talk about fixing our red zone or we really talk about Kyle Pitts being in that lead status, it's not his yards and things like that. It's scoring touchdowns. That's what. That's the difference between the the really good and the real top tier guys in this league, as far as that touchdown number. It feels like you know. Yes, there was a concerted effort to get him targets last week, but it still feels like there's just I don't know. There's some disconnect about why we can't find him in the end zone, especially when Drake London's already got a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, I think that's a question on a lot of people's minds because I remember when we were going through the pre-draft process with Kyle Pitts, I feel like all the talking heads, all they talked about was, oh, the asset that Kyle Pitts can be in the red zone. It's like that was such a big point of emphasis on Kyle Pitts and, and why NFL teams would want to target him with a top five pick. I mean, that was that was the whole conversation. And now that he's been in the league for now a year and some change and he has one touchdown, not even on us soil. It's kind of like, Oh my gosh, like what was all, was all this just smoke or what? But it's not because you saw how Florida used him in the red zone and how important he was to their red zone offense. So all of that to say this, it's just like, I don't know what the next step is for getting Kyle Pitts in the end zone and getting him those touchdowns because you're right, like there it, it is almost it almost feels like a a disconnect. It's like you don't know exactly why this is or is it happening because you know that he's targeted and you know because we've seen that in the past. You know this past game he's being targeted, but it's like what ha- what happens once you get inside the twenty that's making it feel very different for his overall production. I don't have the answer to that. It's something I'm curious about as well. Tori, I'll tell you what's going to be fascinating. When we get together next Wednesday, there is the potential for maybe not many moving pieces or a whole bunch because this is week four, and after the Browns game, Oliver, Dion, Mayfield, Marlon Davidson, everybody's eligible to come off of IR. Now, they don't have to, but – I think that this is going to be the storyline that's going to be fascinating because I'm going to be honest with you. You and I have talked. I don't think Deion Jones is going to play again. I don't think you're going to see him practice next week. I'll be honest with Marlon Davidson. I think Abdullah and Taquan Graham have done a very nice job, and we just talked about on my show here, Grady's had an outstanding start to this season for them. I don't know that that Marlon Davidson adds to that. I think um, – uh, oh, my brain. Uh, Oliver, I think he gets activated. And I think they want to, you know, mix him in at nickel. But I think the conversations about how this roster is going to look moving forward are going to be very fascinating. Yeah, I agree. And I, I do think it's one of those things that really outside of Isaiah Oliver, because of the position that he plays and how you can rotate that position, outside of him, all of the other names that that you're going through and listing – I don't know if I if I'm Arthur Smith or Dean Pease or whoever's making those calls and those decisions. Like, I don't think I'm taking away any job I, from I any agree. of the guys that that we have seen over the course of the last three weeks and give 
reps and snaps to these guys who are coming off of IR, potentially. That's another thing is we don't know how long, like, you know, yes, they can come off IR, but will they come off IR? That's, That's something that's completely another topic of conversation that we'll have next week when they're technically available again. So, for all of those reasons, but I, I I just don't think that I would be willing to, you know, you think about like, let's say if Jalen Mayfield comes off of IR, I'm not taking Elijah Wilkinson off the field. I, I'm just not. I, Tor- and Tori, I, I'm going to go further. I think Colby Gossett played really well. And <laughs> why would I, why would I sit him on? I mean, with all due respect, I don't need probably another. I, I'm Tori, I'm with you. I look, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it now. I think Mayfield's either on the practice squad or he gets released. I don't think Deion Jones is coming back. I'm not convinced Marlon Davidson is going to play again. I I think that what you've seen is that they have started to build some guys, and I don't think it's coincidence that the defensive and offensive line results have been better without some of those guys. I mean, with all due respect to Mayfield and Davidson, those guys I think were part of the problem last year, and they haven't been part of the solution I think we're seeing guys that are part of the solution, and I think that's where it's going to be interesting is do the coaches want to risk any of that progress that they're making? Right, and I personally, I would not. Like, I'm not pulling TQ for anyone right now. I think TQ is actually playing really, really well. It was funny because I even asked – Arthur Smith said the other day, he was like, you know, Taquan Graham is – subtly playing really well and I asked him this today I was like what is he doing that's so subtle that makes you really happy with what you're seeing from him and he made the comment he was like there are so many pressure plays that he's actively involved in that those type of pressures that he's creating do not show up on a stat sheet but he really means a lot to what this defense is doing in the moments where they are performing really well and so all of that, I'm not pulling him for anybody. Not saying that Marlon Davidson is going to be ready to go in even another week's time, but even on the other side, Jalen Mayfield. I mean, I'm not pulling – I'm in the same accord as you. I'm not pulling anybody for some of these guys coming off. Again, I do think Isaiah Oliver is a little bit of a different circumstance, but even then, I, I do think that we – because of what they've done at nickel over the course of the first – three games it's very interesting because they've thrown out a lot of different packages and even you know last week played more Troy Anderson and Nate Landman and had three linebackers out there so for all of those reasons I I'm just not entirely sure how much some of these guys coming off of IR will make any type of immediate impact at all I don't think I don't think we're going to see them at all well, it's going to be fascinating. I think it's a great game this weekend. I think this is a really good measuring stick for the for the Falcons coming off a win and coming back home. I think next week's got a lot of intrigue to it. So we will gather back up next Wednesday. You can follow her on Twitter at Tori underscore McElhaney. AtlantaFalcons.com is where you can check out all of her work. And Tori McElhaney joined us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Tori, as always, appreciate it. Uh, look forward to getting back uh, home and, uh, you know, having some fun down there. So we will chat next week. Awesome. Sounds good. Already looking forward to it. You got it. When we get back from the top of the hour, it will be time for the Falcons flyover. We will uh, hear from the head coach, uh, both in his presser today and, of course, he did join Dukes and Bell with Rob Tribble filling in. All of that next. Sports right now to the game, Odyssey.com app.